Welcome to Seniority Authority, the podcast where I track down experts to answer your questions on aging. I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey. Let's get smarter about growing older. Do you know that expression, what would you do if you were not afraid to fail? That reminds me of our next guest, who is not only on a mission to disrupt ageist stereotypes, but to do that by living an unexpected life. Zora Benamu is a 52-year-old digital nomad who has traveled to over 50 countries, lived in eight, and speaks six languages. A gerontologist passionate about aging, health span, and longevity, she founded the podcast Hack My Age, and her messages reach over 100,000 people across all media channels. After completing her master's in gerontology from the University of Southern California, Zora decided to focus on bringing her knowledge to a wide range of older adults with an emphasis on women through her podcast and website. Thanks to our show sponsor, The Riverwoods Group, Northern New England's largest family of nonprofit retirement communities, where active adults find community, purpose, and peace of mind. Visit riverwoodsgroup.org. Now, let's hear from today's guest. Welcome to Seniority Authority, Zora. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm a huge fan of Seniority Authority. Thank you. I think we are both in that same space of changing people's assumptions and experience of aging. But my first question has to be, where are you Zooming from today? So today I am in Tavira, which is in the Algarve of Portugal. So it's a very, very Southern part of Portugal. It's beautiful here. You have such a fascinating life and also have amazing knowledge about all aspects of aging. But I have to start out by saying, how did you decide to pitch everything and become, <laughs> as you call it, a digital nomad? Oh what? my goodness. How did I that try- happen? I'll try to give you the short story because it could be very long. But basically, my husband and I, we were living in Hong Kong with our two kids and they finished high school. And we said, you know what? We've been abroad. We're expats. We have this home in Spain. Like why we're not going there. We want to discover the world. Let's just sell the car, sell the house, sell the furniture, sell everything. Right now, for the moment, we don't need it. The kids, they're third culture kids, you know, so they went to LA and the US, they decided to study and and work. And so we said, look, we have nothing to tie us down here. So we just decided to travel the world. We did that for two years before COVID hit. And now we're back on the road again. Okay. Everyone who is listening to this podcast, did you just hear what she said? Zora just said she sold everything her home, all her things. She sold it all. So can't you start downsizing? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, she can do this at 52. This is, you are just living life the way most of us, I think, are afraid to. And for you, has becoming a digital nomad, is that part of your philosophy of what you call hacking your age? Well, yes and no. It depends, right? It's a minimalist life. My husband and I, we decided we wanted to have experiences instead of material things. We thought that would be really interesting. And of course, it's more financially viable as well. And so we have this freedom. 
And because we can generate income online, we do have that freedom. But for some people, they would hate it. We might talk about this this lifestyle. It sounds very romantic, but some people, you know, say, "Look, I love my home. I love my things." You know, and that's absolutely, totally, that's, that's hacking your age lifestyle. Whatever it is that you want. For us, the positive, you know, we see that this are, there's simplicity and ease. There's less stress when you don't have the bills for the home and something to repair and a car insurance to pay. And so, you, know, like, you don't have to worry about those things. So there's less stress. And for us, less is more. So, you know, we do enjoy our life at the moment with these new experiences, with exploration and travel. And all of this is, is neuroprotective, right? We know that having these challenges. You know, it's not always easy when you're trying to figure out how to manage the metro in Tokyo when there's nothing in English, right? Right. And so you got to figure this all out, but it's really great for the brain. And so, you know, this is building resilience, right? And this, as we know, anyone who listens to your podcast knows that one of the secrets of longevity is, is that resilience and being adaptable to things. So, so we're we're living a life that we want to live for now. And if that's what you want, that's great. If you want to stay home, that's fine too. But, you know, there are some drawbacks and you, know, you don't have any roots, for example, right? There's people who have roots and people who have wings. And my husband and I and our kids, we have been born with wings. But that means, you know, maybe you don't have such a tight community you don't have family always there. And, you know, you can try to compensate by meeting, you know, lots of new people, which is really exciting and that's positive. But can this replace your good friends that you've had forever and the time with the family? I, I don't think so. I, I think there's a price that I may pay if this goes too long or if I don't find ways to, other ways to really build that community because we know that in aging and longevity, having that community, your social network, knowing that and when you're 80, 90 years old, someone's got your back in case you fall or you don't wake up in the morning, you need help. And right now, yeah, so that wouldn't be an ideal longevity lifestyle. But for me right now at this point, yeah, it is a hack my age lifestyle. I love how you describe some people are born with roots, some people are born with wings. And I also think what's interesting is that you say for now, this is what you and your husband have decided to do, understanding that there are different ways to conceive of your chapters of life. You don't have to always do the same thing. And I think many of us are trained to go to school, get on that track, and then go to graduate school, and then go to job. And it's nice to say, okay, what could I do if I was not afraid to fail? If I wanted to travel the world, how could I do this? And one thing that you talk about is keeping your mind active, and you certainly did that when you decided to become a gerontologist. What interested you in becoming a gerontologist? First of all, thank you, because we need more gerontologists. <laughs> but tell me about what inspired you to choose that profession. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, it started out sort of with the biohacking community. And I got involved, you know, as a health coach, and then I got involved with biohacking. And I heard about Dr. Walter Longo. Can and you just explain to our audience what you mean when you say biohacking, for oh, those so, yeah. of them who are unfamiliar with it? 
<laughs> biohacking, you may have heard the word, but biohacking, usually I'm referring to a community of people who are looking for optimized health. They're actually pretty healthy themselves, but they're looking for optimization. And so what we try to do is make an external change in our environment for an internal change in our biology. So we try these different hacks and different things that maybe is proven or maybe not by science. We do our own science experiment in ourselves. We're an N of one. And so we love data. We love to track and we love to assess and to see if what we're doing is actually working or not. And there's a whole range of biohackers, you know, from something very simple and using ancient wisdom and simple practices to all the crazy things that you may need a doctor, a doctor for and or travel to another country for. So it is, that's a community. So that's, that's how I got into the biohacking world. And Dr. Walter Longo is a very famous researcher and scientist who is known for the fasting mimicking diet and his research on caloric restriction. And so I noticed, I found he had a program. I was following his research, found it fascinating and he was proving, you know, mice at least could live three times longer with some caloric restriction. And of course, there's benefits and drawbacks to that that we could discuss later. But I found he had a master's of nutrition, health span and longevity. And I said, that has got my name written all over it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then I went there. Actually, I went to the campus. I researched the program. I talked to the students. I talked to the, the advisors and actually what I found out is most of the people doing this program wanted to be nutritionists. And I was already a health coach and speaking the nutrition language. And I was last thing I wanted to do was take more clients and become a nutritionist. And that's when they explained to me what gerontology is. And I first said, well, I'm not interested in old people. I don't Because <laughs> <laughs> you were how old at this, at this age? Well, this was only three years three ago. Three years ago, yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, no, I'm young. Yeah. You, know, well, I, you know, for me, I just thought it was that. And in fact, they corrected me. You know, they said, no, this is, of course, we do study older adults, but we're looking at the whole lifespan. And this was my big argument with the nutrition thing and the lifespan and longevity. I said, I know it's not just nutrition. And so I exactly. want to more, yeah, the other side of the coin. And that's when they recommend the gerontology program. And it actually was a perfect fit. And I learned so much and it's ex- exactly what I needed. So that's how I got into the gerontology program. That is terrific. And you, instead of hanging a shingle and being a gerontologist, you are opening up your wisdom and knowledge to everyone through your Hackier Age website and podcast. And your focus is on women. Why? Is that because you're a woman? Is that because women live longer because they don't take care of themselves traditionally? What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, I am a woman. So that is my interest. (laughs) (laughs) And, And my niche is women over 50. So I'm looking at an older woman. And it's because through my research, I was shocked to find out that most research is done on men. And I thought, but wait a second. That's a little outdated. (laughs) It's outdated. Yeah. I mean, half the population are female. So why are we only studying males? And so the drugs that we're taking, the vaccinations that are being made, most of it's done for men. We know it works on men. And for women, it's just not that much research out there. Only recently it was mandated that women have to be included in research. But even today, 
they are included in the study, but the actual results may not be included still. So we still have a long way to go. And when I found this out, it made perfect sense to me as a biohacker, as a health coach, because some of these these health treatments and biohacks were just not working on my female clients. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. seemed to work for everyone else. And it's because we have hormones. And that's why studies don't want to be done on women because of the hormonal changes. We get pregnant and we have, you know, menstruation and we have our periods, then we have menopause. And it's just, it bunks up a study too much. And scientists would say it's too complicated (laughs) and, you know, and it's too expensive. And so there's many reasons why they would say this. However, I've been told by Berenice Benayoun, who's a researcher at USC, who says, actually, it's not that difficult. And I, I need to have a podcast interview with her to, to explain that argument. But this is why I really want to focus on men because I want them to understand that just because there's a new trend or a new hack out there, it may or may not work for you. And it's not your fault. <laughs> like it's not something Absolutely. you're doing wrong. It's just that the studies haven't proven that it works on women. And, and maybe sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But I just want to make sure that women understand that they need to dig a little deeper and they and we need to become advocates for more research on, on females. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because it, typically we all know women live longer than men statistically. And I think women have this general assumption of becoming invisible as they get older and becoming ignored or a lot of ageist prejudices are more predominant with women versus men. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners as to how they can fight ageism when they see it as women? Oh my gosh, I have so many great things to do. I want to explain first what is ageism. And and some people yes. not know that. And that's just basically discrimination against someone based on their age. It can be young, it can be old, but it happens most of the time with older people. And it is the worst form of isms because it's generally accepted and it's, it's not challenged in society. And it's kind of implicit and subconscious and and we not, may not even be aware of it. So it is hard on all older adults, but women have more pressure because of this media, because of we have to look good. We have to, you know, we can't get away with the gray hair and wrinkles. You know, it looks great on a guy and you know, nobody complains, but on women, less attractive. And so not only that, but we also have lower salaries. We're, we're viewed as less educated and incapable. And then we have this whole, you know, caregiving component that we have to look at, which is further causing problems. So I really want people to understand ageism exists and we need to challenge that. And, you know, and it, it happens everywhere around the world. I mean, there's this, this great study by Paul Nash in 2020, and he brought out 83,000 people and he looked at 57 different countries and looked at ageist attitudes. And 35 of those 57 were moderately or highly ageist. Wow. They, yeah. So yeah, most countries are. You, know, most you, people- you think of you think of this, I think in the US, we tend to think we're ageist, but in other cultures, they are they revere elders. In Japan, it's different. And <clears throat> but I think it might be one or two of those cultures. Yes. More of them as we become more of a blended world and social media and images are more fluid between countries. I think 
it becomes the celebration of youth and the denigration of aging becomes more pervasive. Absolutely. And you're right. It's usually Japan, South Korea, these kind of countries that have less ageist attitudes. And it happens more in in countries of you know, poor countries, more underdeveloped countries. So so there's they found out through the study that most the people who are the kind of typical person who's ageist is a young male and un- uneducated. And mm-hmm. it's, it was interesting also, they found out that one in every two people were either moderately or highly ageist. And I, it was a, it, this professor of mine, uh, he, in one of our courses, he had all the students take a, a test, you know, this random test online to see what are we uh, highly, moderately low ageist. And, really? and Fascinating. it was, it was a great, see if I can find the link and share it with you because it, they would show images of older and younger and then words, and then you'd have to respond by clicking on the keyboard. And, and I was shocked because I don't think I'm ageist, but. I am. I was moderately ages. Everyone in the class was either moderately or highly. And we are all gerontology students, right? So plenty of people who love old people, <laughs> who like decide to go into this career, because this you know field because they want a career in, with working with older adults. So it is something, it's like that subconsciousness, it's implicit. And this is why we need to to combat it. And actually one other interesting result from this study was the healthy life expense expectancy. So one year increase in healthy life expectancy reduced the probability of a country being highly aged by 27%. And also it's crazy. So the idea is basically being healthy reduces ageism and reducing ageism increases health. Kind of the Uh, gist of it. Yeah. Kind of a chicken and egg, but yeah. Or bi-directional. Yeah. It's kind of, it works both ways. But it's true because I think if we all stop and think about ourselves and what are the messages that we tell ourselves without even opening our mouths, we are ageist to ourselves. Yes. You hear people constantly saying if they're complimented, especially women who are terrible at this, you know, you look great. Well, you know, I look good for my age or you did that race very well as, you know, like for your category, for your category, for your (laughs) age, everything is for your age. And we do that ourselves. We, and so it's so embedded that we really have to be hyper aware of everything. And I've tried to start doing this in my conversations with my friends and to be more celebratory, be more, and this is something I'm passionate about, but it is hard. As you said, it's very invasive. It is. Well, first of all, is we have to be aware of it, which is what you're doing and what I try to do and what I hope everybody in the audience listens, you know, is listening, starts to become aware of it. And then you're able to challenge it because that's self-directed ageism. And there are studies that are show that this can increase your cardiovascular response to stress. There are more markers of Alzheimer's disease. You have lower physical and cognitive function. You just have worse health behaviors all overall because of this self-directed ageism. So it's a very dangerous, it's dangerous not only for the people, it's dangerous for yourself and your own health. And there's another study by Levy. I can't remember what year, 20, Becca, Becca Levy, who just Becca wrote Levy, yeah. Breaking the Age Code. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, he found out that, or they found out that older adults with negative attitudes to aging live seven and a half years less than everyone else. So having a negative attitude is not good, 
shorter lifespan. So we need to, the idea is we have to have positive, positive foods towards our aging process. And so, you know, one is like you said, you know, somebody says, hey, you look good for your age, you know, tell them, well, why don't I just look good, period. Or, you know, if you hear somebody saying, you know, trying to defend themselves, oh, for my age, I'm okay. Just say, no, no, no. You know, that's, you are awesome. You are beautiful or you are strong or whatever it is without the for your age bit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, call someone out or find, you know, be aware of it. What happens to yourself? Don't say, oh, I'm just getting old like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's just, it's like, you know, when people say I'm so busy, you know, that gets, that's like white noise now. Don't offer your age as a defense. I just, I really feel like we have to stop that. We have to police our own words first. If we want to live longer and healthier. Absolutely. If we want to live longer and healthier. And that study by Becca Levy, who was at Yale, also said you're saving money. You're saving hospitals money because you are spending less time in the hospital if you think about yourself as a positive, strong person who is whatever your age is versus Mm -hmm. I'm old. Of -hmm. course, this is going to happen to me. Kind of a a fatalist attitude. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to be mindful of the words, super important. And maybe others, you know, how are they treating people around your older adults? You know, there's kind ways that you can call someone out as well. What do you suggest? Yeah. What are your suggestions? So if somebody's is you know, is not treating or says says a remark like that, you know, oh, you know, look good for your age or whatever, you know, I would say there's two options, you know, it depends how you, maybe you can say it on the side after, you know, say, hey, you know what, you know, maybe maybe next time you leave out the for your age bit and explain the ageist attitudes and how that can shorten someone's lifespan and how that increases stress levels and they increase stress and cortisol that leads to diseases of aging and you know that we could explain the whole thing, but just being saying, you know, is, and I think you can say it in a really nice way and say, you know, you had really good intentions, but, you know, just so you're aware, it's a subconscious ism, it's ageism. So, you know, just call them out a little bit. You can be mm-hmm. very polite about it. I, I think one, one great thing that we can all do, no matter what age you are, is to work on your health, your physical and your mental health, and to be independent because, we can perpetuate ageist attitudes if we don't, right? We're putting it into the system. So when we are, you know, frail and falling and sick and always in the hospital and always dependent on our kids and, you know, we're just, you know, perpetuating that stereotype and, and for the next generation. And so it is worth for you, for your kids, your grandkids to, to stay on top of your health. So those are, you know, those are a couple of really simple things. I mean, well, simple, some people say, you know, getting their health together, not so simple, but but we can, we need to really put that on the table and make a point of taking care of ourselves. If you're getting smarter, help us reach more minds. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends to follow us on social or subscribe to our newsletter at senioritiauthority.org. Another thing that you advocate, which I completely agree with, that has to do with ageism is to not to encourage people not to lie about their age, but to redefine what age means. So instead of saying, 
50 is the new 30 and 80 is the new 60. Just say, <laughs> I'm 64 yes. and this is 64. I am 72 and this is 72. Not because even saying 80 is the new 60 is apologizing for 80. Yes. And, and yeah, I, yes. I'm, I'm like tired of people saying that. Like, just say your age and yes. just own it. <laughs> exactly. And this is how we disrupt these ages stereotypes. By exactly. Just saying our number, showing a positive stereotype, a positive thing. And, and we're modeling this anti-ageist stereotype where it's fantastic. So really own your age, live up to your health, you know, whether it's exercise, joining a sports team, learning a new language. I mean, all this to start a new business, you got to adapt. If you're at work, you just pivot. You know, sometimes our we become mentally and physically challenged. That happens. We can pivot. We don't have to stop working or give up. We got to just keep going and model that really good, you know, what it means to be 72 or 85 or whatever it is. Well and, done. Right. And That's- in fact, you have created a plan to do this. You have created something called the Longevity Master Plan that you put a lot of work into that has five major pillars. Can you talk through with our audience what that is all about? Yes. Okay. The five, I'll go through it quickly. The five major pillars are basically what I found out through all my nomadic travels and and reading and the research. And, and what is it? These are five things that are fundamental for healthy aging, to live a long life, a longevity, all health span, whatever you want to call it. We need all five. We can't just focus on one. There's a plus one, which I'll tell you later, but because that's not so, it's not absolutely crucial, but the first five are absolutely crucial. And I always start with the sleep. I, I love the sleep because sleep is such a master regulator for so many things. But the second pillar is, is stress management. And those two go hand in hand. You can't talk about one without the other. So when I talk about stress management, I'm not talking about mental stress only. I'm talking about physical stress and pain, right? When we get older, we are in pain and we just go, oh, it's just normal. It's aging. And you have this, this live with this chronic nagging pain, but that will affect your mood. It'll affect eventually your lifespan on top of everything else. So don't ignore your mental and your physical stress. The third one is is nutrition. I mean, that's just a, a huge pillar that we can go in into what to eat, what not to eat, what how to eat, when to eat, you know, all these these different things. And then we have the exercise component. Just gotta move. Super, super important. Anyway, you know, there's any way you can right now. And the fifth pillar, I call it learn, but it is so much more than that. It is about not only about your brain health and learning and mental capacity, but it's also, it encompasses your purpose in life, what you want in life, your social network, your community, so many things. It was such a hard thing to name, you know, just to stop right there at the last pillar. So I just call it learn, but it does encompass so many things. Oh my gosh, you're exactly right. I mean, in, when you talk about stopping, starting with sleep and stress, you know, I have had a period of time when I had a chronic illness and it was a autoimmune disease. And when you are in that kind of pain all the time, it negates anything else. That's that's what you have to focus on. So, so anything we can do, we know as we get older, things are going to get more complicated. It's going to be harder. So preparing 
before that is like training for a marathon. You have to do everything <laughs> that you can to just, you know, to just not assume you're going to be super healthy all the time, but, but take action now to help yourself get better. It's, it's yeah. like aging. Aging is an extreme sport. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. Now, what's your plus one? What's your the plus, plus one pillar? Yeah, the plus one pillar is is beauty. Beauty, because it is a big issue that women are looking at. And and actually, when I wrote the program originally, it wasn't only for women, but I was I really focused on that because I, I did a, an interesting conference in Hong Kong all about, it was a, a six-part program because it was all the pillars of aging and we got doctors and researchers to, to present. And the last one was the beauty. And it was a Chinese medicine doctor. And she was brilliant. And she really explained how important it is if you, to take care of yourself, to, you know, as hygiene, first of all, is one. And then second of all, looking at your best, it helps you on the inside as well. It changes your mm. physiology because you are feeling really, really good when you look in the mirror and you say, you know, my hair is done. I got my makeup on or I took a shower today. I mean, everybody's, you know, in a different level. Different levels, right, right. Yeah, so really wow. it's- Wow, that's fascinating. It yeah. is, it's really important. And how did you, what was the work that you based these programs on? How did you come up with this master? Yeah, so the master plan originally started, I wrote that in about 2017. I go back to it and it's all the same. Like very, very little has changed. I make an add to it, but the foundation is there. So I started out when I wrote it, it was before I became a gerontologist. So I, I found evidence basically on from my, my training as a health coach with precision nutrition. I was reading books and my experience through coaching and as well as observing the older adults in my nomadic travels because I was still, I was living in Asia and living in Hong Kong. However, we were traveling extensively there. And so that's why, you know, focus on the food, sleep, stress and exercise. But then I moved to learning how to read PubMed studies and research. And then, for example, you know, incorporating the information that we learned from that Harvard study of adult development and how yes. social connection is important to longevity. Okay, we have that fifth pillar there and just amazing, incredible studies on the impacts of stress on health. So it kept adding to it through, through that type of research. And now everything's integrated, you know, with all this learning, but now I have a new education and all the studies that were presented to me as a gerontologist or gerontology student. And now I'm as a gerontologist, so we can, you know, that's where the basis of this program is. And you got that deeper knowledge and that deeper research that upholds all of these pillars. So for our audience, not everyone can be a digital nomad, and I would certainly love to do it, but Almost everyone who's listening to us can change one or two things in their life to have a healthier future. What would you suggest everyone who's listening today change as a start to have a healthier future? I would say you have to breathe. <sighs> the breath. Start with the breath. That is a really good point. I, I'm a breathwork instructor, so I'm, I'm just absolutely passionate about learning how to breathe functionally. How do we breathe every single minute of the day? I'm not talking about the kind of breath work you do in your yoga class or 
some technique. I, I wanted people to learn how to breathe when they sleep, when they're on the computer, when they're cooking, when they are exercising. And generally learning how to breathe is going to change your health, your physiology. It'll really open up things. It helps with anxiety. It helps with stress. And it, it's such a great tool that's free and we have it in our pocket. And that is 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 foundational, foundational. I could talk about how to breathe, but I'm not sure how much time we have. No, it is not what I was expecting you to say, but it is absolutely true. And I know I need it. I know I don't breathe well. I breathe high and shallow. And I know that I don't, I know what I should be doing. I don't do it. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Is that a course that com- someone could take on Hack Your Age? Do you offer that breath work as a course? It's coming up. Of course. Okay. It's, yeah, All it's right. coming up because I've got an energy reboot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just finishing up the energy reboot program. So this is to help women over 50 get their energy back. And so that'll be a very foundational course, not too long. And then I'm going to have satellite courses. So of course, breathing will be a part of that. It'll be one of those satellite courses because we need to learn how to breathe. And that'll be the very first, very first satellite course. Okay, good. And for the audience, there is a link to hackmyage.com in the show notes, and you can also Google it. And there are a number of really interesting courses and programs that are packaged very, very easily. So you can choose one or two and have your digital Zora working with you. (laughs) (laughs) So breathing is one. And please do tell me when that starts, because I'm going to sign up. What would be the other that you would suggest people do to change? I would say know yourself, really who you are and what you want. And I, I'm so surprised by people, you know, I thought this hap- comes with age, you know, like we just know what we want and that's it. And we know who we are, but I think we continually evolve or we fall into something that maybe is not really who we are. And I think that can disrupt a lot of our development. I think it can add a lot of stress to our lives. So I think sometimes you got to stop and find a way to find yourself. Some people, I know it sounds really woo, but you know, they'll go to a health retreat or some meditation or, you know, silent retreat. Mm-hmm. You really work. You, know, you got to remove yourself from your environment. I think sometimes stop and think about what do I want for the last chapter of my life? And And once you have that clear, then you can make a path because I think sometimes we just going down a path that was carved out for us or just, you know, not really planned. It's kind of like going to the airport and saying, Hey, you know, give me a ticket. And they go, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Well, you may wind up in, you know, some Zimbabwe or you might wind up in, in Rome. I don't know. The life will choose for you, but I think we can make a lot of choice. And you need reflection. You need self-reflection and and figure out who you are and what you want. I think that's a great recommendation. And anyone listening can do that. You can set aside a day, a week, you know, a period of time. Choose the place that speaks to you where you can be a little quiet. I would recommend taking a social media break. Uh, while you do that so you can (laughs) listen to yourself and not because we do float down that river and become less intentional and just 
do what everyone expects. And you're cheating yourself if you don't yes. think about it. Yeah, I met a woman the other day. I think she was in her 70s and she's a caregiver. And her mother is is not doing so well. And that's all she does is take care of her mom. And I asked her, would you like to be doing or what What really do you want? And she, she took a while to reflect. I said, what, what brought you happiness or joy in the past? And she said it was going to London and visiting all the museums. She was passionate about art. And she just had this like guilt. Oh, of course, I could never do that. And I said, why not? You know, oh, that's just so selfish. And I said, well, you're going to be a better caregiver, a better daughter. If you just take a break, you need some respite. Caregiving is the hardest job in the world. You're not paid for it. And and very often it, ha- it falls on the woman, uh, mm-hmm. the females. And you may have to give up work or making money or career. And that, of course, your social security and your f- own future. And so I think it's really important for people, you know, again, that kind of goes back to what do you want and know yourself? Because I, th- I think I, she was so happy after our conversation because I felt she, she, she got like a free pass to- She needed to permission. Go. She needed permission. I yeah. think that's what she needed. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> needed permission from an expert to say, and that is such a classic caregiver conundrum yeah. is I have this responsibility. I can't step away. And then you get anxious and you get stressed and you get resentful and you get tired and, and it's basically thankless. And because you're doing things that people feel like they should be able to do on their own. And then you feel like you can't step away. So that resentment builds and it it damages the relationship of the person that you're caring for. Whereas if you take a little, a little sip of air, a little break and refresh yourself spiritually and mentally, physically, you come back with a little more energy. Yeah. Yeah, take a, take a, like you said, a, a break, a moment somewhere. I would say get a little journal, a piece of paper, paper and pen are magic. And you just sometimes just write down, like, uh, you know, I tell my clients, sometimes you just say, I, Zora told me to do this. I'm here, like literally writing that out. And then it starts to flow. I yeah. know it sounds, you know, here I am, you know, I don't know what I'm going to write, but it's your diary. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a big journal writer. You're right. A paper and pen is magic. You can write out all your worst, worst fears and say, what if, what if, what if, put them, write them down, put them away, and then they're out of your head. So, you can even tear it up and throw it away if you don't want anybody to read it. Exactly. You're worried about that. Burn it. <laughs> Burn it. Burn it, but at least it's there. Yeah. Right? You got it out of your head. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's excellent suggestion. So if our listeners are interested in learning more they should go to hackmyage.com. Yes. Hackmyage.com is pretty much all the go-to because from there you can find the YouTube channel, Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, Twitter, everything is there. It's always Hack My Age. It's easy to remember. I love that. I was actually, one of the names for Seniority Authority was Life Hack. <laughs> Oh, that it was, was taken. It I was know. taken. <laughs> we were too slow. <laughs> I know. I, man, it took me a long time to get the name for my podcast because a lot of things were taken. Zora, I have loved having you on the show. But before we leave, I want to know a little bit more about you. We know you're an imaginative, well-traveled biohacker, but 
tell us a little bit about your favorite guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. So the first thing that comes to mind, I'm sure people are thinking is food, but I have no guilt with food. I'm too curious of an eater. So forget that. I feel a little bit guilty, but it gives me so much pleasure is my phone is that that to me is a connection to my kids, to my friends, to social media. And it can be, you know, very addictive. So it's a time sucker. So that's, that's my guilty pleasure. (laughs) Well, you know, but you're also keeping your community with you because unlike many people, you are living far away from your community. So that, that I think is a healthy thing. You have a lot of experience with healthy practice. What is your favorite healthy practice? You know, I'm I'm a, a bit of an anomaly, I think, but I think more people need to look at this. Is I, I seek discomfort. I my biohacker. Wow. We would do we go ice. I love ice bathing. It's a sauna, exercise, even uncomfortable conversations. You know, these are the kind the ones that are uncomfortable, the ones that we really should have, and those are the ones that are that that are healthy, right? That bring us to a a better side. So, you know, healthy practice, if I have to choose one, I'll say ice bath, but it's, it's generally anything that's, that's a little bit uncomfortable. I love that. That is very unusual. (laughs) I, as a healthy practice, I try to be uncomfortable. I think that's, that is a really good thing to think about. What hormesis is, right? Hormesis is having a stressor that in large amounts would kill you, but in small amounts in the right dosage is going to build resilience and strength and health. And that's, that's what I'm seeking. Excellent. What is guaranteed to make you laugh? Oh, I'm, I'm so easy. I'm an easy laugh person. Like anyone can make me laugh, but I really, something that for sure is, is my girlfriend time, spending, spending time with my friends and my good old close friends. There's just guaranteed. Oh, that's awesome. And the last book that you loved so this is a really hard one, of course. Anyone ask anyone about books? But I, you know, I read a ton of books for my podcast because when I interview people, I have to go through. And I absolutely loved Next Level by Dr. Stacey Sims. And it's it's a long title. It's called Next Level, Your Guide to Kicking Ass, Feeling Great, and Crushing Goals Through Menopause and Beyond. Whoa, and- that sounds terrific. Okay. Next level. And her name is Dr. Stacy. Dr. Stacy Sims. And Sims. Okay. He's brilliant. Anyone who's going through menopause, post-menopause, and a little bit athletic, I mean, any kind of just, you know, exercise, don't have to be an athlete, just you're going to learn so much about her. She is a very big advocate for women in, in research or meaning females being researched. And she just pulls out all the stops. I absolutely love her. Okay. Fantastic. And this one's going to be tough. You travel the world, but what is your favorite escape? Okay, this one is a little harder. Uh, I couldn't name a place. What I, but when I thought about my favorite escapes, it was always being in nature. So I would say forest bathing, for example. Forest yeah. bathing, your, your audience probably knows what forest bathing is. I think they do, but for people who are new to the show, can you just give us a two-second explanation. Yeah. Forest bathing is, is a basically getting into nature. It started out in, in Japan as a therapy. I think people were in the hospital, they would throw them into the bamboo forests and they realized that their health was actually improving when they came back. You, you're supposed to spend time in nature, but really kind of contemplating it, looking at 
the flowers and and soaking up the sun and and really feeling and being being with nature. It sounds again a little hippie, a little woo, but there are actual physiological changes that happen, and that's why you feel so good when you spend time in nature. So yeah. You know, force bathing is one. My second best is is like a floating in the sea <laughs> in magnesium bath. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely a water person, so I I get that. I get that. Well, thank you so much, Zora. This has been so delightful, so mind expanding. And for everyone listening, if you want a little more Zora, go to hackmyage.com and lots of great resources there. Again, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to have you on again too soon. I would love that. That's our show for today. If you liked it, please take a moment to connect with us so you don't miss a single episode. Go to the Seniority Authority webpage or show page in your podcasting app and subscribe by hitting the plus or heart sign favorite button and tell your friends so we can keep the conversation going. Until then, enjoy the chance to get smarter about growing older.